Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Movie Bollocks. It's, um, yeah, finally here, finally got underway. Um, episode three with my good friend, Ed Box. Now, Ed and I, um, well, I used to live in Newcastle when I was in Strange Thing. I was up there for a few years and um, Ed was one of the people um, that I became very friendly with. He's still a very good friend of mine to this day, as are lots of people who... Um, were my friends up in Newcastle. There's going to be a future guest, Gary Foley, is going to be coming on as well. Now, Ed has actually recorded an episode of this before, um, and unfortunately, I lost it. Um, it. It went down with one of the laptops. So, um, finally getting him on, finally having the movie conversation again, which is great. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So, um, viewing habits, viewing tips, what have I been doing? What have I watched so you don't have to? Tomboy on Netflix. Okay. Now this is the description on Netflix. In fact, pause it. I am actually going to get the, I'm actually going to get the description up. Hang on a second. Through the miracle of the pause button, I seem organized. Here is what it says. Waking up in bandages, contract killer Frank Kitchen seeks revenge on the surgeon who performed gender reassignment surgery on him without consent. Okay. This stars Michelle Rodriguez and Sigourney Weaver. For fuck's sake. Okay, so I thought, do you know what? That sounds horrendous, but I'm going to watch it anyway. Can't be that bad. Two quality female actors in it. No, it's not that bad. It's fucking worse. It is horrendous. Michelle Rodriguez spends the first half of the movie um, basically being a woman who is playing the part of a man and is unconvincing. The worst part is when she comes out of the shower as a man and guess what? Oh, yeah. Full frontal, CGI, hairy chest, cock and balls. Oh, you wouldn't believe it. Yeah, then the next scene after that, when you think, right, this is hit rock bottom. No. A sh- he, 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 she, then shags. Uh, it's just horrendous, right? Then, then, she then wakes up and Michelle Rodriguez has had the operation. And now Michelle Rodriguez is playing a woman or rather playing a man inside a woman's body and is also still unconvincing. It is fucking terrible. They've even tried to do it like a like a graphic novel. I mean, maybe it is a graphic novel that exists and if it, if it is, then it fucking shouldn't do. But anyway, the end of the movie sets it up for like a, a follow-up for a sequel. And I'm thinking if this, if this runs for one more minute, it'll be too fucking long. Um, so yeah, there you go. Tomboy... Don't bother. Um, watched um, uh, The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary series on Netflix. Really enjoyed that. Um, I mean, you don't really... I'm not a basketball fan at all. I'm not a Jordan fan at all. Um, but I watched it because I do like that behind-the-scenes stuff. And I, I, I did really, really enjoy it. Um, and as you'll find out later on, I was watching Alien 3, the assembly cut last night, which was superb. Um, so, yeah, definitely worth digging that out if you can find it. Um, what else have I been doing? Uh, smashed through the first season of Jack Ryan on... Ow, fuck, just hit me fucking hand. I've got a bad right hand at the moment. Fucker. <laughs> right, hang on a second. Let me just check my list. Actually, a little bit of a... This, this is across both uh, words, uh, worlds, movie and music. I watched Murder in the Front Row. 
um, which is the the documentary of the book, which I'm staring at that I have across the way from me. Um, Harold Anedian, who has been on the uh, has been on the podcast Talking Bollocks, um, he's one of the people behind it. It's absolutely superb. All of you, all of you, get your fucking get your ear, get your eyes around it. If you've got Amazon Prime, you can rent it. Um, I think you can rent it on Amazon anyway. Um, but yeah, it's it's absolutely superb. It's a great documentary. It's great to see. Uh, Metallica are all in there talking just as enthusiastically about as everyone else. They're just guests in a, you know, in somebody else's film, um, and it really is. It captures the essence. There's great old footage, and I watched it with a friend of mine, my best mate, who discovered thrash metal along with me together at the same time. And boy, did it take us back! It was so much fun. It really, really was. It was so much fun. Um, so yeah, I really, really do recommend that. Um, that's got to be worth it. I've also watched um, a, a documentary on the making of script for a Jester's Tear by Marillion, but uh, that's only available with the five-disc box set 30th anniversary, 30th anniversary of their album. So, uh, yeah, probably not available to most of you. Um, I've decided I'm going to recommend an old film um, to people. Uh, later on, you'll hear me recommend... Um, uh, oh, fucking hell, Howard, come on. Um... Lawrence of Arabia, which is a fucking amazing film. It really, really is. Absolute genius. Um, I'm also going to recommend Rita Sue and Bob 2, a great shagging tale from back in the day. Lots of swearing, lots of shagging. Just, it's fucking stupid. It's brilliant, though. It's absolutely brilliant. Written by Andrea Dunbar, who was born on the council estate where it's filmed and died of a brain hemorrhage in her mid-twenties in the pub in the middle of that estate. Very true story. Very sad story, but a great movie and worth catching up. And totally off on another tangent, payback, right? Now, if you can track down payback on Blu-ray, you'll get two movies. You get the movie that you saw at the cinema or that came out and everybody knew. But there's there's another disc, and that is the movie they actually wanted to make. And they are two completely different movies. Seriously, they really are. And they're both good and they've got both, both have got things going for them um, that, that the other one doesn't. And, you know, yeah, uh, depending on how you feel, uh, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll improve one. You'll, you'll, sorry, improve. You'll prefer one over the other. Anyway, hopefully that's a, a handy few tips for your viewing and all the rest of it over these last few weeks to keep you going through the lockdown. Um, but without further ado, I would like to get my guest on. My guest, very, very good friend of mine. And you will now hear all about how I saw Alien 3 originally at the cinema with Ed when I lived in Newcastle. So it's now time hand you over and this is ed and i having a conversation about all things movies but also about all things um you know obviously you know we used to knock about together in newcastle ed is a incredible um guitarist um he's an absolute geordie metal legend um and um you know obviously he was involved with his band accelerator i was involved with my band strange thing and and there was loads of sort of basically it was a whole group of us that that used to hang out together they were all into different kinds of music but, but it was all heavy um and we were all into our movies and we used to go on big movie trips together because we were all unemployed and um you know i would usually be driving i was the only one who had a car and we'd go and see movies but anyway here's my chat with ed from not long ago Hello. Hello there, Mr. Ed Box. How are you? I'm I'm fine. How's yourself? 
Um, uh, yeah, I'm not bad, mate. I'm not bad. I've, I've fucked up my hand a bit, but other than that, if I if I was oh, you, right. if I was you, I'd be like fucking miserable. That's why. That's why I saw like you've been to the, the hospital or something the other day. Is that the reason? Yes. Uh, yes. Your hand. Yeah. 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 It's just. I've, um, basically, you'll appreciate this. Actually, you're one of the only people who will. Um, I I smashed the back of my hand against a wall. Um, and it's like you know what it's like. It, it, you never. It, you know, nothing ever happens to the back of your hand until it does, and you realise that there's like no muscles or padding or anything. It's just yeah, like yeah. It, yeah. It's, bo- it's bones covered by skin, and that's it. Right, um, right, nasty. Any any breakage, or you just bad bruising? No, l- luckily, um, uh, well, luckily and unluckily, there's no, there's no, there's no fractures or, or cracks in it. But I've I've yeah. damaged a tendon, and that's it, it, that's annoying because I know from personal experience, having played football all those years. Um, you know, tendons are almost like bones. You know, they're quite they're quite sturdy. Um, rugged things, and when they get yeah. injured, they take ages to heal. Yeah, yeah, they're like, um, I mean, I've never done any damage um, touching some kind of wooden here, but it's like that, the kind of sinuous would be the That's dis- way to describe them. They're kind of yeah. very delicate things and they're elastic and, yeah. Well, anyway, look, so, look, you know, fuck all that. How's how's you yeah. in lockdown? How are you doing? I mean, you must, you've probably watched, what, 100 movies by now? <laughs> yeah. To be honest with you, um, uh, I've been working really hard. I've watched, I tend to keep me, me watching of films or TV to um, uh, late at night, you know, like the last sort of couple of hours of the night. Um, yeah. In the morning, I've been uh, taking my wife to work. She works at the hospital. So I get back and then I've been converting everything I teach with my guitar lessons into computer form. Uh, so I've had to use a guitar program to create all the music, uh, turn it into PDFs, and then I started doing Skype lessons the second week of lockdown, just a few, uh, so I can send people the stuff over via like the medium of email. Um, so I've spent about 150 hours doing that. Uh, I'm st- still doing something now, um, <laughs> and I've been writing music as well, uh, like um, like say giving a few lessons and making little videos of bands I like about their albums to keep myself amused. So I've been I've been busy actually, so not as much watching. I had visions of watching, you know, box sets all day. <laughs> ah, <laughs> <But> yes. <laughs> yeah, so it's been it's been a, a crazy old time. Well go, well look, you know, good for you and, and thanks and thanks to your, your key worker wife and thanks to you for being a, a, yeah. a key worker support. Um, yeah, I mean, you know. she, 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 um, uh, I mean, she's a part of secretarial staff and that, so she's not front front line. But um, uh, it's still, uh, you know, they have to um, the kind of uh, one week on, one week off at the moment. Uh, mate, it wasn't mate, like that. as far as I'm concerned, if you work in the hospital, you're on the front line. Whether you're a fucking yeah, cleaner yeah. or a yeah. surgeon, at the moment, yeah. you know, you're on the front line if you're in the building. That's it, yeah. It's, it's it was it was mad the first few weeks because basically they had to clear all the backlog of. Uh, of um, operations and things like that, um, so it's kind of uh, yeah. Oh god, yeah, I can imagine. Go mental, yeah, they'll probably go mental again. You know, as they start reintroducing stuff that's been put off. You know, but uh, yeah, uh, it's all a, it's all a wait and see job. But it's uh, yeah. So oh yeah, the old um, the, the older waiting list uh, goals have all been shots pieces for <laughs> yeah. a few years. Yeah, and and um, and, and economic uh, economic um, uh, things <laughs> next. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, that's your term of parliament fucked. <laughs> I, I, 
Absolutely. I tell you what, though. I tell you what, though. Brilliant service in the hospital. I was in. I was in there. Um, yeah, yeah. I was in there. Um, got seen. X-ray. Back there. I mean, I was in and out in uh, record time. Admittedly, I'd, 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 I was in there for another reason. I'd been there. I'd, I'd had an appointment somewhere else, but yeah. which was which was fine. But um, uh, yeah. And then uh, I thought, well, I'm here. I'll go to the casualty. Get the hand checked out. Anyway, fucking hell. Let's get on to talking about some movies yes. and films as opposed to. Um, what we've been doing and how little yes. we've been watching. <laughs> yeah. No, I've still been watching a bit, but anyway, yes. Well, yes, look, where, I, where look start, the, the perfect place to start, I think it's the perfect place to start, is with what I watched last night. Because what I watched last night was the assembly cut, the two hours and 24 minutes of Alien 3. Now, oh, right, I have, um, yes, yes, I've, I ordered this on DVD a while ago and I watched it for thinking I watched the same thing, but anyway, yes, carry on. Yeah. Um, well, the reason, I, and it occurred to me when I was watching it that I was talking to you the following day and it absolutely blew me away, the fact that um, I think we went to see that, all of us. We went, we went to see we it did. on the day of release, didn't we? I, I think we did, I think, um, I, think um, I certainly went with... Well, it's probably. I mean, I, I remember going to see it, and I'm, I'm sure, like we did, some of us go. So I'm assuming there's probably you, maybe Gary Foley. Yeah. Maybe there was Murdy P. I'm not sure how many, but there was definitely some of us. We went to the Warner Brothers in Manners in Newcastle. Yeah. When that was still going, I think yeah. And there, yeah, there was there, there was a load of us. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's big aliens, massive thing, wasn't it? I mean, Alien and Aliens, you know, are just like they were like two of everyone's favourite films, you know, there'll always be the debate which is better. You know, I think I prefer the first one just, but the second one's excellent in a different way. I watched it recently, it's, it's superb, so. But yeah, it was, um, yeah, that was it. It was a big, big excitement, you know, because it's the, the third Alien film. I know, I know. I, re- I remember us all being a bit kind of like, ah, oh, right, OK, so um, well, that wasn't well, what I, we were expecting. Well, I, I liked, I think people kind of slagged, Slagged it. They got slagged a bit at the time because there's obviously problems with it. But when I watched it and I've watched it again, there's always been bits of, of it I like. I remember you saying it was like Alien with a cast of EastEnders. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's, there's bits in it, there's touches in it where you can see David Fincher manages to kind of break through the stranglehold of the studio and those little flashes show what the, the, the man will go on to do, you know, which... He's been one of the great mom directors, but um, you know, yeah. I mean, what did you think watching the the, the assembly cut? That's got a bit with the dog more, hasn't it? And then, you know, because it, does it impregnate a, a dog or is it a cow? A cow. That's it. Yes, yes. So in the in the original cut, it's got the um uh, the bit with the um the dog, hasn't it? Uh, and that's why the alien's a bit dog-like, but then it impregnates a cow and then other extra footage is a more Charles Dance, I can't quite remember. Yeah, well, it, um, yeah, it, well, it, yes. Yeah, well, I, I, I watched it and it was so long since I'd seen it originally that I started getting a bit, uh, I, I wasn't sure, hang on, you know, was this in the original or not? Yeah, yeah. Um, but having said that, um, it was a great improvement on the original, I thought. Yeah, I mean, it's, I remember now, I'm thinking back now, I remember I actually went to see it twice in the pictures, I remember, because um, often back then, because I had time on my hands, you know, if I really liked a film, we'd go and see it twice. And obviously liked enough of Alien 3, because I loved the Alien series, that I thought, ah, oh, I want to go and see this again. Um, and, um, yeah, there was bits in the original, you know, powerful scenes, like the autopsy and Newt was really 
cool handle, you know, the blood gun on the plug hole. And the, the opening credit sequence is superb. It's got a really atmospheric music. Um, yes. uh, and it's got the cuts to what's going on in the ship. And I think that's really good. I think the music is by Elliot Goldenthal, who did ended up doing Batman um, or some of the, the Batman films later on. Um, uh, and not the new ones, but... Um, yeah, that was good. And then, then Ripley ends up in the colony, you know, the shave the heads. That was pretty cool. The death scene's quite cool. I quite like that. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, crap, crap CGI, but really quite powerful, very religious, you know, with all the, you know... Um, I quite like Charles S. Dutton. He was good. Charles Dance was good. Yeah, Paul McGann is weird. Paul McGann, you know, I, I kind of spotted him more in the, 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 the extended cut, but I always remember watching the original film thinking, where the fuck's Doctor Who? You know, yeah. Um, I just couldn't. Uh, you know, it's weird. Um, and um, yeah, there's quite a few actors like Pete Possefwaite is in there, and then there's yes. like Danny Ralph Brown from uh, With Nail. Yeah. So uh, it's um. It, it, it was. It's, sorry, go. On. I was just going to say, I think it's a lot better than Alien Four, and what came after. It's probably you know, it's yeah. It's an original trilogy. You know, if you watch that extended cut, I mean, it's it's never going to be close to. The first two, a bit like Terminator, really, in that respect. But it's probably a better third film than people might might think it is. I yeah. would say, but yeah, no, I, I I agree, mate. I agree. But um, one of the many films that uh, that we we must have seen together. I remember seeing um, Reservoir Dogs um, on a Friday with you guys as well. Um, yes, yeah, I think um, I think we went to see Reservoir Dogs. Maybe Pulp Fiction. I remember going with a big group of people to see Pulp Fiction. Right now, by uh, the yeah. time by the time Pulp Fiction came out, I was living in London. Oh, you'd absconded to the smoke, right? I, yeah. I had, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd um, I, I'd legged yeah. it. I think I think I'd seen Reservoir Dogs. I think I saw that a couple of times at the pictures. Yeah, that was uh, you know that was that moment in early early nineties cinema. Like I said, we were talking about Alien and obviously David Fincher and this the new directors who are going to start, you know, writing the next, yes, you know, the new chapter in films or whatever. There, they're starting to put out their first, first works and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, well, for me, if we're talking of great directors at the moment, for me, Denny Denny Villeneuve is probably yeah the the, uh, ma- the man in possession. Yes, I I agree wholeheartedly. I was listening to your previous podcast with the guitarists from your band Paul, is it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you you guys were like, I was kind of sitting there wanting to kind of join in. Um, cause, <laughs> yes, because, yeah, Filmer um, is, yeah, he's the, the modern master. He has that, the look uh, combined with the, the Roger Deakins photography, has this compositions and the the atmosphere and the sort of camera placement that shows mastery, you know, it's like Sicario, this, the great bit in the traffic jam, you know, Blade Runner 2049, brilliant. Um, what's his other one? Uh, Prisoners, yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. that's good. That's that's um, yeah, that's pretty challenging. And of course, uh, the, really... the 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 alien one. Yes, Arrival. Yeah, Arrival. Really, go, yeah. yeah, that's that's the mind time bending. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it... I, made, I had a few good jokes on Facebook about heptapod. You know, we all need the heptapod language, and then you know. We we just never need to make a mistake, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be it would be quite canny. Um, yeah, yeah. 
but uh, yeah, no, I mean his his record is phenomenal. But what I like, what I like about his style, and I might, I might be repeating myself again, but it, it's is the fact that it's weird because he he he's all he's got an almost um, retro aesthetic to the way he makes films. I mean, even in like you know, you mentioned Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which I loved. The fight scenes are very they 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 are filmed like almost in a retro way. Do you know what I mean? From yeah. a distance, you can see who is hitting who. You know, there is no attempt yeah, yeah. to make you feel like you're in in it. It's almost and like I said, it's it's almost like you know. It, it, and he's in no rush. He's in no rush to tell the story. Do you know what I mean? You have to yeah. you have to sit there and you have to you know you have to build the pieces and you have to kind of put this where the story's going together from the clues he's giving you. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to this is the story. I mean, there's um. Uh, I remember. I can't remember um. If it was one of the people, if it was Mark Kerman, it might have been Danny Lee on the film program. Not sure, but it said Danny Mivilnerv. You know, he he doesn't de- deal in moral absolutes. So it's that thing, you know, like Sakari and things like that. You're not going to have a clear sort of kind of oh, I'm on this side or whatever. Um, but yeah, that that thing where the, like fight scenes and things like that. You know, when cutting speeds just got ridiculously fast. You know, the Michael Bay thing and um. You know, it's it's a pleasure to see filmmaking where it's just cut together with that nice rhythm, and like you say, you can see see where you are, you, you know where you are geographically in the scene. Yeah, and you, yeah, were, and you, and know? you feel like you you feel like you're spending time with the characters, which which makes you more invested in them, which yeah, means that yeah. it, which means the whole thing just means more. Yeah, that's it. I mean, Blade Runner twenty four nine has got any number of. I mean. You know, when I heard he was directing, I thought it was a really great chance for this. And we watched them. Um, I watched the Blade Runner, the final cut, yeah, in the weeks before going. And you know, that the final cut, they the really got the final kind of um, tinkering he did. I think that is the, yeah. what yeah. I would recommend. Yeah, I saw um, that. It's it, um, it's it's really good. And then just Blade Runner twenty four nine, he just picked up the themes really well and and kind of ran with it. And Harrison used Harrison Ford really well and. Just, just great mixture again of um, you, you know the CGI but model work and you know I think that's what they've learned you know um, in film it's like they thought everything was going to be CGI they thought that was the way forward but it's part of the way forward but there's, there's still the old techniques and you can bring them all together to create create the right kind of look for a film and um, you know Blade Runner twenty forty you know, nine had that well it's, uh, it, it's 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 like anything isn't it because we we you know we've we've seen the development of cgi in our lifetime so what we've seen is it first comes out and you like all of a sudden boom everything veers to all, all the way across to let's use cgi as much as possible let's try and amaze people with what cgi can do and yeah. then and then everyone goes has a reaction to that and a backlash and goes no, no no let's try and not use it as much and then you end up somewhere in the middle which is where it needs to be which is kind of where we are now after all these years of it being available yeah. to filmmakers, which is really, it's used to do the impossible or where the possible would cost too much. But ideally, um, people shouldn't actually be able to spot CGI. Yeah. Do you know, you're now, yeah. you, people used to yeah. make CGI like, look at the, look at what we've done. Whereas now yeah. it's like yeah. they don't want you to notice. Yeah, I think, I think for me it was sometime in the mid noise or early noise where you start to get sequences where you're like is that cgi you know yes you, you can always spot it before that i was watching um solo a star wars story last night and um you know the opening sequence uh, there was actually a puppet sort of alien and then there's a chase sequence i thought oh, it's really seamlessly affecting you just can't sort of 
pick out later on in the film there was uh, in the castle and sequence there was a kind of more CGI bit um, but um, there was another film last night, I watched a film called Crawl last night which is like a crocodile basically there's a hurricane in Florida the house gets flooded and the crocs come and it was obviously a lower budget I imagine you know it's like a 20 million dollar film but the, 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 the CGI that was in although it was more spotable it was impressive level for the budget of the film you know yeah um, uh, effective, so it is. It is getting better, but I still feel a lot of the Marvel stuff. You know, they just end up with almost too much CGI. Then the superhero films end up with just some mad CGI climax, and you know. But I'm older, you know. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm middle aged now, so you know, if I was a teenager or a younger kid, you know, I might, you know, it's, it's probably the epicenter of my known cultural universe or that, but. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've also we've also seen the development of drones as well, because now, you know, you can you can have these amazing shots and you're like you're watching a TV program and, and, and there's yes, a temptation yeah. to go, wow, look at the cinematography. Look at the like, you know, that's and then you, and then, and then you think, hang on, that's probably a drone. Yeah, I, it's interesting. I think there's an overuse of overhead shots on TV, yes. like The Handmaid's Tale. Um, yeah. Some other shows uh, typically going into the characters going into wood or something. Hang on, or, hang on. Like did you hand. hang on? Did you just criticise the Handmaid's Tale? Yeah, I mean sexist, sexist. <laughs> String him up. String him up. <laughs> hashtag me. Hashtag me too. Get him on the wall. Yeah, yeah. The first, um, the first series was absolutely superb. Second series, really, really, really good. I think it's all losing its way a bit as it's got away from the book that I've read the book. But yeah, too many overhead shots in that. And I like you, I thought, oh, there's a lot of that shows that you realise it's a drone because it'll just... It's like those um, in the past when you used to use those spherical kind of cameras, the helicopter shots. Yeah. A lot of early 90s films start with shots of the city and you got that perfect kind of symmetry. Like there's a Thomas Crown affair and Candyman and stuff like that, all Star Wars shots like that. And the, but now like a drone, you know. But it's that thing, I mean, yeah, if, uh, I've got... I had a, a guy who was teaching guitar and he went into droning and he's... He's been doing work for people. It's like the democratisation of the technology. You know, he can do top overhead shots. You know, you can shoot a film on your your iPhone. You know, yeah. um, it's a it's a mad thing. And you know, yeah. But again, it's just it's it's one of those filmmaking fads, isn't it? Drones. It's like you know, you'll look back on it in years to come and go, oh yeah, drones are just kicked in around here. Um, yeah, I think yeah, I think for me, one of the things um, with. Uh, that kind of technology is great, but in the past when you used to get kind of shots and it's kind of like, oh, how the hell have they done that? Yes. All the way through the early days of cinema, right till the sort of early part of the, the 90s, the, you got a lot of that, but then once the digital technology and digital editing and the things they could do, it became a little more, and you saw more making of things, it becomes a little more transparent how they do it. But there's still things, you know, that occur in films, you're like, holy, how have they done that? That's just like, brilliant you know well I, I i remember watching a scene um um it was an interview with omar sharif and it was when they were making um lawrence of arabia all-time classic yes. you must watch it yes, listeners yes. just fucking watch it and you'll realize why um yeah, yeah. remember everything they do actually had to happen there's no fucking cgi yeah um yeah. so yeah we talk about crashing a train in a fucking desert do you know what i mean yeah that, yeah, the famous scene that where is the, filmmaking that's... Yeah, yeah. Now, the now line, I saw Omar, no I saw Omar Sharif being interviewed about it, and he said there's some amazing scenes that were shot from a plane, and it's and it's of like you know it's the the three characters that are on camels going across the desert, 
and he goes, and you see those amazing shots that took hours to film. And he goes, and I bet everyone looks at those and thinks, yeah, they'll be stunt doubles. No, they're not. That is the three of us on those camels for three hours in the desert being filmed yeah. from yeah. a plane. Yeah. And they were like, you know, and they were saying, it's a David Lean movie, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they were saying to, they were saying to him, can't, can't we just put some... And no, no, people will be able to tell. It's like, no one will be able to tell. And he said, well, you need the practice on the camels. Yeah, and, yeah. I just fucked him off into the desert. Um, and it's like, yeah, you know, it, 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 now you wouldn't even film it in the desert. You just fucking green screen it. Take 10 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, But um, But anyway, yeah. you know, sound like a fucking in, in, couple of old bastards here. Um, interesting one, Lawrence Arabian, one of the problems they had was that the cameras, I mean, these big cameras, but they were overheating. The desert temperatures are so hot. Yes, like, film the yeah. Fuck, so they shoot stuff. And then they'll have to you do it, you know, you'd have to do it again because the film was, you know, they had to all refrigerating, I think, to keep it cool. But yeah. that, that film, the, the way it's shot and the way, you know, the, the compositions to use the desert and place the characters in it, it is a stunning, it's a tour de force of, of, of filmmaker, of epic filmmaking. So many filmmakers have made epics point to that film as like, that's how you make an epic. Well, it, well basically, nothing like that will ever be made again no it won't um uh yeah and, cer- and certainly not under those conditions you know no. it's, it's just absolute madness but i'm glad you mentioned cameras then because funnily enough i was watching you know like i said i was watching alien 3 the assembly cut last night and um the final scene where she's like about to kill herself and the the rescue team have turned up and want to try and stop her you know and lance hendrickson's yeah, there going, yeah, no, no, yeah. no 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 right and um, somebody from the company is filming it all. And they say, like, stop filming it. You know, I don't want any, you know, I don't want this in existence. Stop filming it. And it just stands out a mile. It, the, it, the, the, the shot goes to the cameraman. The cameraman's camera is, yeah. is, is fucking massive. It's like, an, it's, like, it's like an 80s TV studio camera on his shoulders. <laughs> and you just see that and you go, hang on. Yeah. This is supposed to be in the future, you stupid that's cunts. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. You know, it just, I was just thinking then, because obviously we're talking science fiction, it's that thing trying to predict what the future's like. And yeah. One of the cool things they did on the film Minority Report, and which is probably one of the last Spielberg films I think is excellent, is they hired a futurist and a bunch of guys to kind of realistically try and, you know, put into the film what might be, Possible, and the, the bits where he's got the the, uh, the advertising that talks to you. Yes. You know, it's kind of that. We're not, like, far off that, really. You know, reading your kind of data. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, why did they think, yeah, we'll still have massive cameras in I, the year 2080 or whatever? Hang on, not far off technology that talks to you. I've got a fucking Alexa in the other room. Oh, what, sorry? I've got Alexa in the other room. Oh, right, well, I'll be picking up Argelos at Target, Argelos of Adverts, Alien. Yeah, 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 right. probably. <laughs> it's your voice, Rag, they'll recognise my voice. But that, 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 that's a really good point, actually, as well. Minority Report is, is probably one of the last great Spielberg classics. That, I, the, what I love yeah. about that movie as well is the look, the washed-out look. There's, yeah, it is, you know, yeah, yeah, it's very cool, like, right? yeah. It is, it's a good, it's a good um, film, it's kind of... Um, it's it's so much what I'm looking for. It's it's complete 
what he's trying to do, what is you know, and it, it, it's a good cop, you know, a good cop film as well. But um, yeah, I think yeah. Spielberg's kind of gone off the ball. I liked him, although it's flawed. The one, what's it called? Uh, Munich about the um uh, the Mossad agents. Ah, oh, right, yeah. I haven't watched yeah, that, you know. I'm, I'm, and I was, I was going to get a crack. I was going to try and watch that the other week. So yeah, um, I, I, it's good. I mean, there's some bits, you know, like I haven't watched it, but it's, it's, it's good. It's gritty. Um, uh, there's, there's some things go wrong near the end. Um, but um, it, it's, it's good. I think that's a good. That's a worth, you know, worth seeing Spielberg flick. But um. Well, of course. Well, yeah. well, Tom Cruise is great in Minority Report, and um, and and also he is also good. Sorry about that. Just got to. Um, I've got a fucking pigeon that is that is fucking shitting all over my balcony at the moment. And um, whenever I see it, I have to get out there and tell it to fuck off. Yeah. We we have a fat pigeon like massive, and it just comes and eats all the bird food we put outside. Yeah. Yeah. It it's sat it sat in the tree at the moment. The fucking twat. <laughs> right. I'm gonna I'm gonna chuck, I'm gonna chuck a. Here we go. Yeah, that's it's that's fucked it off. Hey, so anyway, sorry, <laughs> rudely interrupted by pigeon. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, uh, you know, Cruz is good in uh, Minority Report, and I have to say, I thought the the last Mission Impossible was fucking excellent. I mean, he was, oh, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's, it might be a, it might be an action classic. That I mean, pretty. It's just pretty, really it's, three three it's, acts, brilliant, brilliant three acts. Totally got the plot where it kind of means kind of something. Uh, but he's fucking yeah. relentless as well. Yeah, it just yeah, he's never very, stops. Very well made, yeah, very well made. I mean, uh, the bit where he breaks his ankle and you see it, you're like, fucking yeah. hell. I love that bit after that when he's hanging underneath the escalator, you know. And Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill, I mean, you know, a slab of brick, but he's he's really good in it. You know, I love the fight scene. Oh man, the f- the fight scene in the bathroom it's is so brutal. Yeah, you know, and Cavill's great in that. He stamps, he does this total Queensby rules. Style, yeah. putting his whole body into the punch. Yeah, and again, it's that thing you're talking about. He, he, the director cut it, so you can see what's going on. It's it's, it's classic, yes. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I've got it on the video. I've only seen it once, but it's on the. I've got it recorded and like. Yeah, in actual fact, I mean, the Mission Impossible films are really good, apart from the second one. They're they're, they're good, you know. Um, well, that, that's that, well. That's interesting because we get that. That's that's brought that's sort of brought us wandering onto um, uh, into sort of like you know a, a very um, pertinent conversation to have at the moment, which would be you know franchises because they are you know they're on they're they're on the rise. Um, uh, but Mission Impossible has been going for fucking ever, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, as long as Cruise can keep doing it, I think I think what they've done is that they're freshened up. They, they, they started off, they, they hired the um, you know brand department, that John Woo. The John Woo thing was a, a mistake, but the film was very popular. Then the third one didn't do quite as well, but they kind of bought the team in in that, and they made it kind of grittier. Um, JJ Abrahams, and then they've sort of rolled on from there, you know. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's mental. It's like the Fast and Furious, Christ. It just goes on and on. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got to say, I have never had such little interest in a movie franchise yeah, as I have I'm, in the Fast I'm with you, I'm with you. If, if I was saying to someone, the, the one I'd recommend watching, and I do think it's pretty good, is the fifth one, The Go of Brazil. And it's got really good scenes around the favelas. But um, other than that, it's... Uh, Hang on, you've actually yeah. seen one? 
I've seen the first one. Yeah. I've seen the fourth one. Well, I kind of flick through that. I've seen the fifth one, which I watched properly. Then I flick through the sixth one. The seventh one's got the stupidest stunt ever. Well, it's a CGI stunt. They, they drive a car out of a skyscraper into another skyscraper. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> but I... but it's just, the, the problem with that film is it's Vin Diesel. If it wasn't for that, he but... would be straight to, 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 to streaming. He'd be like Dave Batista. You know, but don't you hang on? There, there, isn't there also a film where like there's a there's a car on a runway trying to catch a plane or something? Or... Yeah, that might be the eighth one or something. Yeah, yeah, because I because yeah. I um I was listening to the Kermode and Mayo film uh, podcast and basically one of the yeah. list uh, like they were like how fucking long is that runway? And one of the listeners figured it out given the estimated speeds that the vehicles were travelling. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it reckoned that the, 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 the runway needed to be like 8.2 miles or something. Oh, I, love, for that. I love stuff like, you know, someone's taking the time to kind of, you know, do, do the physics. Like, yeah, awesome. really like go into detail of the ha- like just if you actually wanted to try and do this, what you would need. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's fucking brilliant. Um, but also, I mean, you know. When it comes to when it comes to franchises, let's face it, you know the daddy of them all, Star Wars. Um, we got we got to talk about that. Um, you and I have watched plenty of Star Wars over over the years. Yes, right. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, what did you think to the most recent Star Wars film? Personally, I like to call it the Star Wars All Stars because um, that's kind of how it felt. Um, yes, you know. And, uh, and instead of um, Emperor Palpatine, it should have been Expediter uh, Palpatine, as he just constantly <laughs> um, just explained what was going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, interesting that you've, uh, like, to bring on this subject, because I've just started um, a couple of weeks ago the Star Wars Marathon, so... Right, where where do we find where do we find now? Is that in order well, of release or order of story? We're doing it, we're doing it in order of story. So we, we've Ooh. done the, the we've done the prequels, and then we watched Solo yesterday. Today we will watch Rogue One. Then we'll settle into the original trilogy, and then finish with the new trilogy. Um, uh, probably you know probably be a while before we do the new trilogy. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the new, the latest one. I mean, we enjoyed it a lot more than the Last Jedi, but it was completely pandering to fans. It was basically trying to. It's the, it's the opposite. All... It's the opposite of the Last Jedi. Now. Yeah. Of, yeah. And, it's kind and, of like, oh, the fans didn't like it, so they just they just pandered completely. The fans. Uh, they give Chewie a medal. They have all the people in. They, they, they kind of decided, oh, it's a Skywalker saga, didn't they? They tried to tie it all in, but they never had a plan, did they? Well, they, well the they thing is, plan on it, yeah. well, the thing is, they 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 had a plan, and there was a much better film out there, and the script has leaked since, and everyone's pretty much like, yeah, they should have made that movie, um, right? But by the same token, right? I think what Disney didn't realize, and they really. It's unbelievable how they didn't see this coming, right? But George Lucas sold them Star Wars, right? Now, George Lucas, up until these movies, has always been in the background. Not, you know, various levels of hands-on and hands-off, but he's always been there. But when Disney took it over, it was like, right, this is ours now. We're Disney. You know, cheers. Here's a consulting title in name only you mean fuck all we're we're getting on with this and the fatal mistake they made 
was that that man links all the movies. And what yeah, he yeah. always did, what he always did was, he always had the other movies, the next episodes, in his head. And they decided to commit to a trilogy and write them one at a time. Yeah. And it's just yeah. fucking stupid. There was never a plan. It's like, right, if we're gonna make if we're gonna make a new trilogy, what does that look like? How does it end? Yeah. You know, a beginning, a middle and an end. I want a fuck yeah. I, I want treatments for one, two and three. I mean, when we watched the prequels, I mean, what was it? there's numerous problems with those um, uh, that we know. Of. <laughs> yeah, but like least, the shit. Least, <laughs> yeah, at least it, well, we, we actually fought Revenge of the Sith. The Revenge of the Sith, like, yes, pretty, yeah, pretty good. Seven out of ten. The, Democracy. The opening, yeah, the, the opening and last third are really good. The battle with Anakin and and um, Obi Wan's really good. I think, I think Ewan McGregor's really good at it. And, yeah, the the, wor- um, the worst part of that is the worst part of that is how quickly. Anakin goes from yes. "Don't kill him! Don't kill him! Don't kill him! This is wrong." To Anakin, I am weak. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he yeah. just goes to "Ah, fuck it." Um, do you want some kids killing? Because I've got a spare half hour. Yeah, yeah. That, that was we we um uh, when we saw that at the time, everyone was like, "Oh, that's dodgy." Yeah, but it's yeah, like literally jumps out. There, but it's it's so know? bad though, isn't it? That when you you think you, you see scenes like that and you think. How did this not jump out the fucking screen to yeah, somebody yeah. before it yeah. got released? But Didn't someone somewhere go, look, guys, you know, that is a bit fucking quick. This is the thing with Lucas is, if you go back into the, the history of him, he, he makes his top short film, THX, at college. Then that get, idea gets turned into his first film, which if you look at, watch it, looks, looks really cool, but it's pretty cold. There's not much character in it. Um, then on American Graffiti he shoots that in a month but they actually hire an acting coach to work with the actors because he's not great with actors I think and obviously he can concentrate more on the technical thing I think with Star Wars the trilogy he gets really lucky with the casting he gets that all time great casting so even though you know he could have gone wrong with some of the hopeiness of the dialogue or whatever the actors pull it off but when he came back to it he just didn't the casting wasn't right and then or in certain places, and you know, he's the kind of guy from what you read, he goes, like, Yeah, can you say that a little bit faster? He's not going to be going over there talking about character motivation the way Martin Scorsese would have guys like that. That's my sort of feeling, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, the, um, uh, the new trilogy, I mean, it all, the Force Awakens looked good, they got the look right, and it was good to bring back the old cast, but. When they killed off Han Solo, the way they did that, it was so obvious that was going to happen. It's like a Todd, you know, Vader, Obi-Wan moment. And having, like, the star killer base, it's just a death star. And in actual fact, my brother saw Force Awakens. And he, he likes Star Wars, but he's not, um, you know, he's not a mad film, though. And he goes, I just watched that Star Wars film the other night. It's the bloody remake of Star Wars. <laughs> well, <laughs> do, you know, do you know what? Uh, to be fair, I, uh, for all of its faults, Right. For all of its faults, bearing in mind what, you know, our previous Star Wars cinema experiences have been like the prequels. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I've got it on Blu-ray. I've got it on 3D Blu-ray. Um, and for all of its faults, I I do like it. I really, really yeah. do. Um, there was a feeling of, oh, my God, we're back. Excellent. Yes. It's like the prequels yeah. never happened. This is it what should. it should be like. Yeah. 
This is what, you know, Poe's yeah. first, Poe's first dialogue with the first order is like, you know, is humorous and off kilter. And you just think, yeah, this is it. This is what we want. And I really didn't imagine that that would be the high point of the new trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think when we um, saw the pictures, like, it was dead excited. <laughs> Hindsight, I'm like, you know, it's kind of when I saw the pictures, oh, it's eight, eight and a half out of ten. Maybe it's a seven, but it's a good, the things that are good in it are good, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah I but... like the new characters. I like Spinner, I like Ray, because uh, the casting are relative unknowns. That works really well, you know. Yeah. But also, I think, I am I am a fan, and I've watched it three or four times now, and I might even watch it tonight now we've talked about it. I am a fan of uh, The Last Jedi. Right, um, I, I haven't seen it since the pictures, so... Right, I watched it at the pictures, and I was like, right, well, there's a good 20 minutes of that that I would have chopped out, possibly more. Um, but, you know, neither here nor there. I didn't, I, you know, I'm not I'm not one for going, oh, Leia shouldn't be flying, and, I, I, you know, fuck all that, you know. It's, everything can be explained if you really want to go into depth. Um... But I actually, what I liked was the fact, and I genuinely think, and this is making a wider point about movies as well, and I'd be interested to see what you think about this, that the reason why that film is so hated is because what it did was took everything that you had been, all of the breadcrumbs that had been laid down for you in the first film were effectively swept off the table. And it was a huge left turn. It was like, no, actually, this trilogy is not going where you thought it was. This re- it really isn't. Ray's not special, and that big dude, yeah, he's not the master villain. And it, and it, it, it and basically, it got a backlash because of people's expectations. What people brought to the film and what they expected didn't happen, and because of that, they revolted and said it was shit. And I think yeah. it was about it's about what you bring to going to see a movie. If you, you know, and, and people brought all their expectations and they had them all taken away from them and they had a tantrum about it. Yeah, I think, I think obviously Star Wars fans invest so much in the characters and since the original trilogy was made, there's been so many like books and other things that people have like sort of plot ideas or ideas of their own where they like, like characters to go. I mean, for instance, myself, like in The Force Awakens, I liked Han Solo to go out in the blaze of glory in The Falcon you know, to sacrifice himself for something. You know, that's how Han should go down to me. Um, and then you get rid of the Falcon and no one else should, you know, be in the Falcon. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah, the last day I have to watch it again. Um, at the time, we just, when we came out of pictures, I goes, what do you think? And we didn't really know. And then kind of pub conversations kind of, you know, it kind of... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? You know, people. You know, it's had a kick in. It, it, it got a kick in. Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. And like, um, I don't know. I think people were just disappointed that Luke had become. You know, it, it was kind of like you got to the end of Return of the Jedi, and you're like, oh, all's, all's well and good. And then it's like it's not. You know, Luke's miserable. <laughs> yeah. He's, you know, living like a hermit, and it's. But then the weight of this franchise, in some ways, I think what what happened in Disney. Really, the reason they, they bought this, it was always about the theme park. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what's interesting with these films, you look at the box office grosses and it, it tells a story. The first film, I think it grossed about $2.1, $2.2 billion worldwide. Um, it, it was massive and it was, uh, you know, the dollars taken at the um, American box office was a record. 
then naturally he seems to tail off for the, the second film. Yeah. And he did to about, I think it was 1.4. So usually the third part, they get like a bump and go back up a bit because people want to see the third bit. But they were lower. Uh, and I think The Last Jedi, and then they're really solo and oversaturated. That's a story in itself, in it's solo. Uh, and they, um, you know, just people got fatigued and, you know, the force wasn't as strong in the end. You know? Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, uh, you Marvel, know... Marvel's the king now. Look at Avengers. Just the last Avengers film was bigger than the one before. It was massive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Seismic. Um, one of the, you know, the, the biggest film of all time. In today's money, it's still... There's still probably other films, you know, there would be a few more bums on seats, but it's right up there anyway. But um, that is The Force Awakens. But, um, yeah, I just think... I just think it's like, you know... When the trilogy, the prequels came out, the Matrix came out, and then the Lord of the Rings and other things surpassed sort of Star Wars. Yeah, um, yeah. In terms of what's going on in film, and that's the thing, Star Wars ruled the roost in its day, but it, it doesn't now, you know. Uh, and, you know, something else will come along, and that'll be, you know, people will be like, oh, that's better than Marvel or whatever, I guess, whatever that'll be, I don't know. But, Was you know. Star Wars, for me... Star Wars for me is the movie equivalent of uh, of Kiss. Do you know what I mean? Kiss were the first, yeah. were, Kiss yeah. were the, that first, the first rock band to exploit merchandise and yeah. and tap into that market. And Star Wars is 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 that in in movie terms? Yeah, I mean that's the same era as well as in the Kiss. You know, they get really big seventy five, seventy six. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and it's that access. Kiss would be the first sort of uh, what's um access band for a lot of people getting into rock and Star Wars would be people's, young people's first, you know, really kind of hit home hard cinema, cinema experience. Well, Kiss, were, Kiss were the first band to realise that you could sell shit to people who didn't even know who you were and didn't like your music, but liked your merch. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've just been on like a WhatsApp group, you know, we're doing like our favourite albums of every year and then it's 87 and then Appetite for Destruction popped up and I said, the thing that annoys me now, I'm not a fan, but it's like you get people just wear the T-shirt. Yeah, you know, yeah. They go to the gig because they the they're no sweet child of mine, but they don't really know the music. You know, yeah. they hamster all these bands, Metallica and DC and stuff like that. They're not invested in the deeper culture of that band. True, true. But you see, the thing is, this is interesting because what we're talking about is is about is about things being becoming culturally iconic and breaking out of their particular zone that they're in. So, for instance, yes. having just watched uh, 10 episodes of The Last Dance, the documentary on Michael Jordan um, and the Chicago Bulls, I couldn't give a shit about basketball or Michael Jordan. But I really enjoyed it. And what you do realise is there's a man, the greatest basketball player who's ever played the game. There is a man who had a cultural impact beyond sport and not just beyond sport, beyond his own country. You know, Michael yeah, yeah. Michael Jordan's career has impacted your life, whether you are aware of it or not, culturally. Yeah. You know, yeah. I the, mean, it's, yeah, we the, don't play basketball in this country much, but we no, know but, who Michael Jordan is. You but know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the, but the point is that his that his his cultural impact is beyond basketball because it's about it's about cl- clothing, sportswear. Nike were nobody when he signed for them. 
Nobody. Yeah. They yeah. expected to sell, uh, in the course of the first three years of the contract, they wanted to sell $4 million worth of shoes. And in the first season, they sold $122 million worth of shoes. Well, I've got this on my Netflix. It's just, well, it's in Netflix before, and I've actually added it because I saw that you put on Facebook, yeah. you know, this oh, is well, top. cool. Well, the thing, the so point, the point I'm making, it, yeah. the point I'm making is that some things just break out of their. So, for instance, people, you know, people wearing basketball boots as a fashion item. Can you imagine how that's pissed off basketball fans over the years? Everybody yeah. wearing around, where it's like, "Fuck you! You're not a fan. You're not a player. What the fuck are you wearing those for?" Yeah, I mean, I suppose I'm completely precious about music. I'm, I'm too emotional. But, but, they, but that's why. But that's yeah. what I mean. As he, there's somebody yeah, somewhere yeah. else in some other walk of life who's equally precious about what about their thing that's become mainstream, yeah, and they're the ones yeah. going, "Fuck you!" You know, you don't know anything about this. You don't know the rules. Yeah. You don't know where this came from. You don't know how it started. You've got no interest in mm. the culture. You know, you're just wearing it because you think it's cool. And it's the same as some some guy or some girl wearing a, a Guns N' Roses T-shirt because they think it's cool. It's weird. I mean, I was watching um, uh, watching a gardening program before, very rock and roll. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> one of the girls living gardening. in the fast lane as always, Ed. Yeah, well, it's a remember half season, a bit of gardening. We've got a little yard where we. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, she had an MC5 T-shirt on, you know. Um, so I was thinking, oh, that's interesting, you know, kind of kick out of jams. It's kind of like a cool cult thing. Whether she's in MC5 or not, I don't know, but yeah. Oh, it's it's that thing, isn't it? You know, uh, it, it just outstrips its original origins to become, you know, bigger. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And um, I mean, I've I've found myself kind of um, uh, digging through all sorts for stuff to watch at the moment. Um, and um, I've I've kind of I've struggled with movies a bit, I have to say. Um, There's not a much much out there. I mean, um, I watched the Chris Hemsworth thing, Extraction, which is like a me video too. Game. Brilliant, brilliantly filmed action. Brilliantly yeah. filmed action reminded me a lot of a of another Netflix movie, um, the one with oh, is it is it fucking Charlie Hunnam and um, um, oh, what's his name, Ben. Oh fuck me! I always want to call him Ben Stiller, Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck, Charlie oh, Hunnam. The, yes, the um, Tripl- yeah, uh, is it like Triple the, Triple yeah. Frontier? Triple Frontier, yes, yeah, yeah. Oh fuck me! I've dug that one out. Yeah, it reminded me a bit of that. Um, but it's it's. I mean, it's it's nothing you'd watch twice, is it? No, I mean, I thought Hemsworth was good. He, he suited the action role. You know, he's kind oh, of yeah. slimmed off a bit from four, and he's a good actor. And uh, I thought the young kid was good. Um, you know, it was just, it was a sort of film, if they released it at the cinema properly, it would probably do all right. Um, uh, it's just difficult. Action films have really kind of died a bit. When we were going to pit cinema back in our early 20s, I mean, action films were king, you know, Arnie, Sly. Um, uh, Bruce Willis. You know, things like The, the Rock, Bruce, Bruce yeah. Willis. The, the film The Rock, not the actor. Yeah, Bruce Willis. And you just look forward to John Woo, you know, you look forward to those films all the way through the 90s because they just delivered like you know, the awesome one-liners, the awesome action. Yeah. And that's kind of died a bit. Um, you know, all that action has just kind of been sublimated into, um, uh, you know, the superhero thing, and uh, it's different. But, yeah, it's a funny thing, Netflix films. But um, there's a, a few things, um, like I watched um, something, uh, we've, we've got Now TV and we've got the Sky Cinema as a, a kind of bonus. And the, I watched what we called Little Monsters last night, which is quite funny. Um, it was like uh, Zombies. Um, they're on a kids' school trip, and then some, you know, uh, 
thing in the lab. Oh so yeah, it's yeah. It's a it's a British film, isn't it? Um, it's it's an, an Australia, but it's got American actors in Lupita Nyong'o. Um, right, it was okay. good. It was funny. It, it was funny. And then um, we watched the Matt Crawl. Um, but yeah, there's not there's not much um, there's not much out there. It's uh, it's pretty fallow. Yes. Really. Yeah. Well, do you know? Do you know what? Um, we're 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 cracking in in the com- cracking on in the conversation here, and and I, I've got to be honest and be honest with the listeners. Um, have we have we done one or two of these movie conversations before that have ended up getting lost? Is it was it just the one, or was it actually two? <laughs> I don't know. We we lost one, didn't we? Because I did. Oh no, you lost two. That's who did the music one, and then we did the movie one, which is a kind of like that was going to be one of the first ones. I think. And then, and yeah, then, and I lost them both. And then they ended up in landfill. Yes. The, uh, they, they... <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm re- we're recycling it now, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. I think we, you know, we talked about various things for them. Yes. I was just going to say a good sports documentary, and again, if people, if you don't necessarily have to be in the sport to enjoy Formula One Drive to Survive on um, on Netflix. That's really good. Oh, really? Because I've know, seen that, followed, and I've I've, I've yeah. just skated past it. It follow, follows the drivers behind the scenes and the contracts and. Well, I, well, know, it, it's it's pretty. I think it's pretty good. But um, uh, well, if you're then, talking, um, if you're talking about recommending sports documentaries, if you've got Amazon Prime, you need to watch um, "Take Me Home, Leeds United" because that. Oh, I haven't got Amazon Prime, but is that uh, the one? Like, oh, cool, oh man, that, that Bielsa's first season, Spygate, you name it, it all kicks off. I mean, oh, it's okay. like you wouldn't believe it. You would not believe it. Wow. Put, put it this way: the chaotic nature of our club means that. Um, uh, the very first um, footballing club that Amazon do a, uh, any kind of work with is Man City. Second, Leeds United. That, the Man City one's supposed to be awesome, right? Like, um, yeah. I've ju- I've just watched it. Um, yeah. I, I've I've decided to go. I've decided to allow Amazon Prime some money whilst I am locked down. Yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, I've uh, I've been I've been watching a few things on there. I watched the Jack Ryan series actually. I've I watched I watched the first series in two days, and I'm on to season two now. Um, and it's it, yeah, it's it, you know it's not bad. Um, well, I I mean I've I've demolished it, so it must be yeah. half decent. The the last series I've um, you know uh, done was done a mega you know where like I've gone through the whole series in about well. It, I've done it over the course of you know six weeks or something. Two yeah. episodes or an episode, and I was Ray Donovan, the Liv Schreiber series. Oh, um, you, now you see, I've watched that from I've watched that from ep, from episode one to the very final episode. Yes, and yeah, it's good. I mean, some series are better than others, but it's been yeah. a, it's been a good show, and like there's some interesting things, the sort of legacy of child abuse is an interesting. Yes, yeah, and, 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 but, yeah. I th- but also uh, I think I think one thing that that um, and and maybe it's just me, but one thing that can make that series really difficult to hang on to hang in there with is most of the time I just want to kill John Voight. <laughs> yeah, no, I love John Voight, but he's such a. Oh. I mean, to be you how when I first started watching it, I really didn't like the character. No, it was it over was the. Yeah, I just thought, I... what's he? What's he doing? He's fucking. It's over the top. It's like. You know, not a strong enough director, TV director, don't tell John Voight to tone it down. And But after after a yeah. while, it becomes familiar, but it's still annoying. Yeah, it's, it's funny when John Voight, I mean, he can be a great actor, but he can overdo it. But um, 
Yeah, and the first few episodes I watched, I didn't like any of the characters. I didn't like the wife. I didn't like Liv Schreiber. So, but I didn't have anything else to watch. I thought, well, I'll stick with it. And then I got about four or five or six in. It took a while, and then it was like, actually, yeah, I do do like this. And um, yeah, so it's been um, that, and then it's kind of left it hanging. Really, I think there's talk of trying to get a series eight just to kind of. Tighten no, it's done. Up. It's done. It's definitely done, is it right? It was. It was. Cool it, it was cancelled two days after the final episode was broadcast. Yeah, I mean, my next thing to do, obviously, at the moment, I'm six episodes in on the new season of Better Call Saul. Then it's Ozark season three. Cause oh, I like Ozark. yeah, done, done, done. Better Call Saul, done Ozark. Yeah, Ozark's good. Um, uh, I like oh, Better Call Saul as well. Not as good as Breaking Bad, but what is? Um, uh, and then there's something else I'm going to watch. I'm threatening to do Prison Break. Actually, everyone always says Prison Break's addictive. I just never okay. got around to that. Okay, okay. Here is some advice. Okay. Right. <laughs> Prison Break, season one, and you're out. Yeah. Yes, I, that's, I heard that. So I watched season one, and then, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like all the people who watched Lost, you know, it was like, you know, you're getting... <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, oh, look, there's a massive chicken living on the island somewhere. Hey, that, that opening episode of Lost, the most expensive TV episode ever, amazing. I mean, it was just like... I've never, you know, I've never seen any. And I've I've got yeah, a f- I don't think I ever am going to because there's such yeah. there's such great stuff out there that has to be watched. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. We lost is like what we're saying about Star Wars. They never had a plan, and I think that's a lot of problem with a lot of TV. They they come up with this great idea. Yes, yeah, but they oh, don't yeah. have a plan, and then it gets yeah. like The Walking Dead. It took them into the second season to kind of work out where they were going. But ne- Netflix and then the is Dead's gone yeah. Oh look! Walking Dead became Talking Dead. Less gore. Uh, sorry, less bore, more yeah. gore. And then I was yeah. out after about season two or three. And do you know what? You're absolutely right. I will not even give a new series a go now if I think the premise hasn't got legs. Because yeah. what's the That's point? Because yeah. I know yeah. they won't have. I know it won't have legs. Like there's 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 a new one on um, Netflix. Can't remember what it was, but it was like you know. Um, oh, this many people are, are trapped on an island, or they've woken up here. And I thought that that'll be great for one season, but yeah. that's it. That idea, that you know, that idea, not every idea, not every idea can stretch across a whole movie. Not every idea can stretch across a. Uh, I mean, you ever watch a movie and you think, yeah, that should have been a short film. They've taken a they've basic or, or a comedy, and they've taken a fucking a comedy conceit and an idea. And it was a sketch, and they've stretched it over like ninety minutes into a movie, yeah. and it should have been a three-minute sketch. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and yeah. and so when I see those things land now, I'm like, do you know what? I'm not going to bother. Yeah. You know, if I can't see, if I can't see a, you know, a, a story arc, because all yeah. that happens is you get dumped. Yeah. You know, at the OA. You've seen that on Netflix, the OA. No, no never seen that. No. Right, put that on your list. Yeah. Is it good, yeah? It, well, Jason Isaacs is in it. Um, right, what's it about the OA? Mate, I've watched two seasons, I couldn't tell you. Right. Right. But it's now, worth it, yeah? yeah? Well, actually, I could tell you, it's about time travel. It's about... Um, uh, oh, what's the word? Astral projection, almost. It's fucking insane, right? It's right. insane, but it's very watchable. Um, the ending is one of the like properly actually the very the last scene of season two, the last yeah. sort of thirty seconds minute, 
I was stood up in my front room watching it. Right. Do you know what I mean? As in, like, hang on a right. second, something's gone wrong here. What's what? I'll just make a note of it. Like, um, that was a show we started watching. We got a copy off and made, but then because I've got Amazon Prime, it was The Man in the High Castle. Right, so that's that's, that's still well, that, that is still going, and I've I, I remember yeah. I watched a couple of episodes, but I, again, I, I I don't know, I'm not I'm not so sure, um, but um, definitely there's only two seasons of the OA, yeah, um, but it's it's proper um, it's proper freak out TV, yeah, so it's all um, uh, oh, it sounds interesting. Yeah, oh, definitely. It's, it's, I'll it's, check it's, out. It's it's really and and it's just one of those things where the the depth of the of the concept because it's real high concept stuff. Um, yeah. And it's and again, you know, it's in no rush to tell its story. The the acting, the casting. I mean, it is it's all incredible. Um, but well, incredible. Um, it's it's it, you know it's it is spellbinding while you're watching it, and it's one of those things that you can be watching it and going, do you know what? I haven't got a fucking clue what's going on, but this is great. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's oh, that's cool. that's that's when you know you're watching something decent. It's like um, another sport documentary. It's supposed to be good. It's Sunderland until I die on uh, Netflix, but I haven't watched that. Ah, right. Yeah. No, I've I haven't watched it, and um, I, I can't be bothered because I've watched the Leeds one, and I couldn't give a toss yeah. about Sunderland. So yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. I, and I, I watched the Man City one purely because I wanted to see Pep, and and you know, I, I look. It, it doesn't matter whether it's making movies or sport or whatever. If if it's behind the scenes footage, I'll watch it, and it doesn't matter of what. Yeah, it's always interesting and stuff like that. Well, it's like basketball, you know. I, I mean, watch watch ten hours of that, but it was fucking amazing. And yeah. God, the access that the media have to American sports stars is unbelievable, right? He finishes playing a game. It's been very emotional. I think it's the first game he played since with the, since his dad died, and and his dad's seen every game he's ever played. He's lying on the floor of his dressing room, absolutely howling his eyes out into the carpet. And there's literally a photographer about five feet away taking pictures. Wow. And wow. there's a and there's a film crew in there because you're watching it. Yeah. And there's people talking, and there's Michael Jordan lying on the floor, having an emotional fucking breakdown. Yeah. It's and it's I'll like, have to watch this, like yeah. Uh... It's um it's it's well, just remember this: the very end of episode seven is my favourite part of the whole series. Um, right. Yeah. It is. Oh, it's rocking. Anyway, look, fucking up. Shouldn't be teasing you with stuff that we haven't that you haven't even seen. There's a, a thing on Netflix actually is the the documentary that won the um, best Oscar documentary. It's called American Factory. I haven't watched it yet, but that's on my list. Oh right, presumably about uh, consumerism and North America and everything else. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, basically um, uh, a Chinese company takes over the factory. Uh, and then the Chinese, you know, uh, the owners come in and they have to kind of learn how to work together with the, the American factory workers. But um, ah, right. I watched that, a really good documentary that won the Oscar a while ago. It was the O.J. Simpson one. Now, sometimes that's on them. Um, oh. It's on uh, iPlayer. It's about eight hours. It's absolutely yeah. super. Yeah, but Especially mate... with what's going on at the moment, if people watch it, it's just To be honest, though, brilliant. mate, to be honest, though, mate, you can't beat the Netflix series. If it's OJ you're after, you can't beat you oh. can't beat John Travolta. Oh, that that is brilliant. The, the, the oh. I love that one, and I love, I love American Crash. I love the Versace one. 
the guy playing the killer in that's fantastic. I didn't see those on B2 at the time, but when I watched them on Netflix, I was like, oh, it's great. Yeah, no, I, I, I loved that. Have you seen, by the way, have you seen the, this Capone thing with Tom Hardy in? Because no one seems to rate it. I, what's that on? Um, it's it's kicking around somewhere. It's it's on. I don't know. It might it might be on a an illegal channel. Oh, oh. Right, I haven't um, I haven't seen it actually. Just quickly, like speaking of Capone, yeah. like that was the last series I watched before Ray Gone was a, a Boardwalk Empire. I'd never got around to watching it. Every time it was on Now TV, it would have like two days to go or something. Yeah. So I managed to watch all that. Stephen Graham plays Al Capone. Yes. But I enjoyed that. It was quality. Um, do you know what? Do you know what? I watched. I, I, I think I didn't. I don't think I watched the final season of um, of Boardwalk Empire, and I can't. Right. And I, I couldn't tell you anything about it, and I can't remember anything that happened in it apart from the bloke with the mask and the young boy who used to shag his mum, and he he was fucking awesome. He was the best thing in it, and I just remember thinking that that the character, like for a start, just the name just is not scaring me. And Steve Buscemi doesn't scare me, and his character didn't scare me, and I didn't just didn't give a shit about him. I just I, there was something, I don't know. In that, it, for me, I just felt like he he didn't have the scar the star quality to carry that series. Yeah, I think I mean I, I enjoyed it, um, but I would understand it's it kind of it probably looked it was kind of better than. It sort of was, but um, yeah, I mean, I kind of always wanted to watch it, I suppose, because Scorsese was involved and then. Well, look. Yeah, it, I can see what you mean. He wasn't friendly. It would have been better if it was Bobby Cannavale or something. He played the, um, one of the other bosses, like, you know. Yes. Yeah, well, uh, we've, look, we've got to mention, mate, we've got to mention uh, The Irishman while we're here. Yes. I was going to say, we're talking about, um, you know, the David Lean thing and we'll never see these films again. And I went to see The Irishman at the pictures. Yes, because uh, it only went to the pictures for like forty days. So when there's an every match in the lot, which is a kind of small chain in Newcastle, and it's got a lovely seating, it's done out like an old Art Deco, and you get food delivered, and it's all all very civilized and lovely. And we specifically went. Hang on, hang on. You, get, you get you get food delivered, so you can like you can go get a Tesco shop delivered. <laughs> Well, no, but they bring that before the start, they bring you the drinks and everything. You put you put your order in at the bar. You go and sit down and bring it, and you you sit on a lovely sofa. I mean, it costs thirteen quid a pop. But it does make all the difference. Film. That shit, though, doesn't it? It's nice. I mean, it's, it's got a lovely. It's lovely. It's like the time side cinema, but kind of with loads of money spent on it. But uh, for the people listening, like who do listen, to the time side cinema is the art house cinema in Newcastle. So the, the everyman's kind of doing the art house kind of. It looked like that inside, but they're, they're a, ch- a small chain. Yeah. Anyway, the Irish was showing, and we went because thought we'll never see these guys again in a film like this. And Scorsese, you know, he's not going to get the money. That's a brilliant. Uh, that's a brilliant idea, mate. You are uh, you were absolutely spot on. Was, yeah. Well, and I thought like that. Yes, yes, it's too long, and like yeah, we've seen him give these kind of performances before, but I did enjoy it, and it was. You know, it was a pleasure. Well, to, again, to, to experience yeah. it, but you know, again, I again, I felt like it was it was it was like spending time in, in company. It was like spending your time in the company of these characters and seeing how their lives played out. It, yeah. it was very yeah. it, it it almost washes over you. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it was long, but I didn't kind of feel length as much. You know, I mean, if I was watching it, maybe at home. But um, yeah, that's a nice way to to to, to describe it. Yeah. It was, you know, the, the people holding it mean uh, meant a lot in my life, uh, and it's like just, just 
and you've been back with those guys, you know. Um, yeah, it was. But we'll we'll, ne- we'll not see the like again unless you know they decide to give Scott. I don't know what his Netflix viewing was like or how many people it attracted yeah. to the. Well, I've I've got to tell you my um I've got to tell you my Steve Graham story from that film because I heard him interviewed, and um he was being interviewed um, I can't remember where he was but he's and he he was um about the scene in prison when he's in prison with Al Pacino and they're doing the scene in the um in the in the um, yeah. uh um the the meal room the fucking canteen yeah yeah and yeah. um and and Al Pacino's got that ice cream. And um, and uh, Stephen Graham saying, oh, you know, I check with I check with like you know, um, we we done we done a couple of scenes, and I checked and said this, and they're like, this is the you know, have we got any more ice cream? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we've got one more bowl. And he's going, right, okay. He goes, because I thought, right, this take the ice cream's getting it. Um, and he goes, so I'm sat down there with you know doing the scene with Al Pacino, and then I smash the you know I smash the ice cream across the table. You know, out of the way, and I reach over and I grab him, and um, and um, uh, he hadn't done, and he said I hadn't done that before, and um, uh, and Scorsese shouts cut, and uh, and Stephen Graham goes, and Stephen Graham puts him down and goes, are you okay, Al? And he goes, he just completely ignores me, and he looks over and he goes, hey, Marty, do you see that? The kid scared me. Because he's out of Stephen Graham. I mean, Stephen Graham's a total laugh. Yeah, but and, and, you know, being in the company. I know. And Stephen crazy. Graham, Stephen Graham's laughing, going, "Here I am. You know, I'm in a scene with Robert De Niro yeah. and Al Pacino. I've, I'm roughing him up. You know, I do this scene. I get the reaction I want. Yeah. And he goes, and he calls me the kid. He goes, I'm forty fucking five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, I enjoy Pacino's performance. Pacinoisms, but you know, you expect that. But there was some, there was some good stuff, you know. Um, uh, but um, yeah, yeah, like some. Uh, apparently, Stephen Graham was pretty scared. Like Joe Pesci was uh, pretty giving him a hard time early on because he was like, "Oh, is this guy good enough?" and stuff like that. But then he, apparently, Joe Pesci warned the women once he saw him at work. You know, um, yeah, because you don't want to mess with Joe Pesci. <laughs> well, he was the he was the one that was refusing to do it, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, the bottom out of retirement, yeah. And it was, he was, he was kind of his. His was the one character who was kind of different to the usual character he plays. Yes, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, just playing like the kind of kind of guy who's kind of calm and kind of manipulating things. I thought that was interesting. Um, uh, you know, yeah. But also, it was interesting the whole Jimmy Hoffa thing and um, and the way. Yeah. You know, and and the thing is that you 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 can you totally felt for. Um, uh, for Robert De Niro. Yes, yeah. Because it's like, you know, he was stuck in the middle, but it, it just, yeah, it, it had to happen. But also it's like, you know, you saw the the, the 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 backlash, you know, the fact that he didn't really have a family anymore, you know, and, and the effect, yeah, and the, yeah. the way, the way how living his life the way he had had basically just destroyed his family. Yeah, the first point in the last sort of scene was really cool with him just, in the doorway to the half closed, you know, I thought that was, uh, it was cool, that, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting, the stuff about Jimmy Hoffa was interesting, I saw the Jack Nicholson Jimmy Hoffa film, um, in, in the, when that came out in the early 90s, and I watched that again recently, before this came out, it's not um, very good, but it's, uh, um, 
you know, that's got a different sort of take on it. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, look, Ed, it's, it's, um, it's, it's about that kind of time where I like to uh, start winding things up. And, um, and there's a, a, a few standard questions. Um, so, yes, yes. starting out, first up, uh, favourite genre, if any? That's really hard, isn't it? Just I love asking that one. Ah, oh, you know I, I I don't know if I can. I, I suppose it pushes science fiction. Yeah, yeah, science fiction. Yeah, okay. It's like in two thousand and one, Planet of the Apes, the new Planet of the Apes trilogy, which I think is the best years. Um, yeah, science fiction's because you know it's just always interesting. You know, I like you know I watch cult sci-fi like the Amiga Man and. Yeah. I watched old 50s sci-fi, TV sci-fi. Yeah, science fiction, I'd go for that. Yeah. And, let's, and let's all not forget, kids, Logan's Run, possibly the greatest TV show in all time. Logan's Run, yeah, only had one season. Um, I know, yeah. but it's legendary. Yeah. It's fucking legendary. It Logan's Run's like, they the were going to remake, Brian Singer was going to remake the film, and it is an interesting story, the scope to do a really cool remake of Logan's Run. It's one of those films, it's kind of the film itself's a bit kind of... Oh, the Dodgy film's bit. naff, but the, t- the TV series was fucking great. Yeah. But it's interesting, though, isn't it, the film? It's still... Who was the TV series? Which oh, actors? mate, mate, I, I can't remember. And yeah. more questions for you. You can have one favourite director or you can have a favourite male director and favourite uh, female director. It's entirely up to you. Um, favourite director? Oh, it's kind of old school. It's probably Alfred Hitchcock. Bloody hell, I had you down as Scorsese all the way. Um, it's probably Hitchcock's probably like the first director, you know, I kind of became aware of, oh, this, these guys behind the camera make films. There's probably, there's probably more Hitchcock films that I think are top. Right. Than, but it's a close one. I mean, I like Stanley Kubrick and Scorsese. Those those three would probably, Sergio Leone, you know. It's just that like Hitchcock's got so many films, you know. He's got yeah. a massive backlog. But yeah, I mean... Hitchcock, you know, every director owes him so much because, in terms of like, you know, telling uh, stories with visuals, and you know, he kind of is. There's a part of him that is cinema in a lot of ways. But yeah, I'll probably go with Hitch. Yep. Okay. Cool. Um, favorite male actor and favorite female actor. Okay, so I'm gonna cheat slightly, and I'll say my favorite movie star of all times, Clint Eastwood. Okay. Um, I didn't. I didn't ask for favourite racist. <laughs> my favourite movie star of all time is Clint Eastwood. My favourite. So, and my favourite actor, screen actor, it's probably Pacino. And Pacino's a movie star, but you know, it's just slightly different thing to what Clint is. Um. Well, they're both fine actors. Yeah. I don't know, I mean, Clint's, yeah, but I've always seen Clint's more of like a movie star. You know, he's got a star persona, whereas like Pacino, you know, like Michael Corleone, he's very different from Frank Serpico and he's very different from Sonny in Dog Afternoon. You know, I think Pacino kind of slipped more into a star persona as he went along, but... Right, I'm right. Cheated. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Fair enough. No, I like I like that. And you know, it's it's you know the the rules aren't hard and fast. They're always there. I'm I'm a firm believer in rules are made to be bent. Um, yes. Uh, and oh, fun- female female star. Yes. Yes, female actor. Oh, um, gosh, tricky. Yeah. Um, 
sorry, um, just kind of racking through my head. It's probably basically Ed. Yeah. Ed is currently revealing uh, the deep nature of so, his sexism. He cannot my, think of no, one my, decent female probably, performance. Probably, <laughs> probably the actress who kind of stands out for me. Uh, who's kind of I found the most interesting has had an interesting career. Jane Fonda. Right. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's uh, well, activist and actress. Yeah, yeah. She's had, like, four, four, three or four acts in her life. I read a bio- autobiography. But um, the first really adult film I saw, one of the first ones was Clue. I saw that when I was 10, where she played a prostitute. Um, and it's a thriller, but it's kind of a conspiracy thriller over times, but she, she wouldn't ask me about it. But I'll give you a quick one. The modern actress, I think, is consistently good. And she's beautiful as well. But if you watch everything in Charlie Theron, Yes. She's just so so good, like Mad Max, um, Bombshell, yeah. she's brilliant in that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The thing, a young adult where she plays, she goes back to her hometown. But also, um, also, shout out here for Scarlett Johansson, I have to say. You know, I was listening to your podcast, agree with you, Johansson, best thing she's done in um, Jojo Rabbit, but I don't, I don't totally rate her, but she's very right. good in Jojo Rabbit. But, um, true, true, and, uh, true story, true story, right? Scarlett Johansson did the uh, 2000 and whatever World Cup draw. Whichever one it was, it was the one that um, where France beat Ireland in a playoff and Thierry Henry handballed into the net and the goal stood. Right? Yes. Right, and right, Scarlett yeah. Johansson were, um, did the World Cup draw for the groups, the FIFA World Cup draw, right? And um, on YouTube, you can see a rehearsal and at the rehearsal, she takes the ball out and goes, and it's Ireland. Oh, no, sorry, France. <laughs> and and a fucking everyone in the room just pisses themselves. And yeah. ever since I've seen that clip, I'm just like, she is the perfect woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool, though, like, yeah. And, and in, Jojo, yeah. in Jojo Rabbit, I mean, if you don't want her to be your mum, then you just fucking yeah. disgust no, me. She, she was she was very good. She really um uh, you know she kind of uh, was perfect casting. She was really good. What was your what was your feeling but, um, yeah. on that movie, by the way? Um, uh, my my wife loved it. I liked it. I liked to hit to hit I pronounce it. Um, uh, Taika uh, Waititi. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I, I I like his take. I love what we do in the shadows. The film. Um, I like to yeah. hunt for the world of people. Yeah. I liked for Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, he's got a take on stuff. So. Um, yeah, I liked them. Um, there's you know, something liked, coming uh, that's going to be a bit. For me. There's something coming that's going to be a bit special as well. What from him? You mean? Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, uh... yeah. He's definitely he's, he's got something. You know, I mean. I oh no, no, no. There is a project. There is, and I, I'm trying. I'm racking my brain trying to think what it was, but I, I remember someone saying like, "Oh, you know, so yeah. and so." Yeah, he's been signed up. Yeah, it's... I watched Scarlett Johansson's Marriage Story on Netflix. Ran him. But I thought I, I didn't. I wasn't as into in that. Um, I thought having Driver was. Uh, oh, I, I cannot to... bring myself to watch that. Just the name of the movie, Marriage Story. Yeah, yeah it's all. It was all oh. right. It was the acting was good. Adam Driver was very good. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I can't think what the, ter- but the it, film is. Is it basically yeah. people just they're just acting their faces off, and it's like, yeah, wow, this is great acting, but it's like you know, well. Yeah, it's does that the, the director is kind of Woody Allen and she tends to do middle class intellectuals uh, um, I'm so glad I haven't so. watched it yeah I, I need to see my yeah yeah, yeah, yeah um, basically <laughs> basically no you need a good kid no you need a good kid 
Kermode tour into Woody Allen's new film, like to come out three years later, you know. Cause, um, oh, I haven't watched that yet. I, 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 I'm, I haven't got to that part of the podcast yet. I'm, I'm got their podcast on, but I haven't got to that part. So uh, right. I shall look forward to it. Well, look, um, I think that's all my questions. Favorite movie, favorite actor, favorite actress, favorite director, favorite genre. Oh no, favorite movie. Favorite movie of all time. Now you see. Now the thing is, I have started turning around and saying to people, "I'd be like, oh, what's your favorite album of all time? What's your favorite metal song of all time?" And I've started saying, "I'm not going to answer that because that's fucking impossible, right? Yeah, it's fucking yeah. whatever I tell you now, I'll have changed my mind in five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'll change my mind again tomorrow. So what yeah. I will do is, you can have a top three movies because i think that kind of that you know that gives you some some genre um room and you know i don't know you know i mean again you'll probably give me three and then regret the three you chose i i that's so difficult you know films like joy and i've loved you know since your child and then there's films that i kind of appreciate the kind of artistic accomplishment of um you know, these days I'm kind of more into what I enjoy. Um, so three yeah. three films, I'll pick three films that, like, I've just total like, you know, I could watch and it's just be pure enjoyment. Yeah. Um, one, one is The Band the Ugly. Um, uh, another one would be Where Eagles Dare. Um, uh, that was a kid at the pictures on a rerun. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, kind of, kind of keeps, goes up, moves up all the time is the thing. That would be, you know, wow. the top Wow, well, that's a shout, yeah. mate. That is a shout. Yeah, but there's, you know, there's other stuff, you know, kind of like more, you know, directors' movies like 2001 and Chinatown and Vertigo and Great Escapes, an all-time favourite, you know, sort of a crowd pleaser, good fella. Rambo. <laughs> first Blood is a classic. Oh, he first Blood, first, Blood's a, first Blood is a fucking amazing movie. Yeah. I'd say Heat's my topest modern film. That's like yeah. that, that's the film where, like, yeah. you know, uh, with all the other films would be before then, and that's mate, the most, most mate. Didn't we see? One, didn't know? we see that together? What year did that come out? We, I don't know. We didn't. That was ninety-five. Came out early ninety-six in Britain. Ah. I did go with some people. I can remember who we went to see it with, um, uh, but um, yeah, we didn't see that. But it's a it's masterpiece, you know. Yeah. Um, Oh, well, mate, well, look, it's been... I'm glad we've got to do this at last. This fucker is actually coming out, I promise you. Yeah, that's cool. I'll I'll just quickly, just one other thing that people haven't said, the first kind of film that I saw the pictures where... Oh, that's a good good question to add to my list. Thank you. That was, like, I think you've asked other questions, but it's like uh, Close Encounters was, like, one, you know, when it was six. I think it's since James Bond or something, that kind of stands out. I went to my local cinema. Well, I, th- that, I think so. the earliest movie record, earliest earliest movie memory I can have is either Herbie Rides Again or it was Superman and Superman Two back to back. Yeah, Superman One and Two. I mean, still the best uh, comic book superhero films for me. Wow. Um, yeah, that is Absolutely. a big shout. They're, they're, they're great. Christopher Reeve's great. Gene Hatton's great. Brando's great. The music's great. Richard, Richard Pryor is great. The third Do you know one. what I mean? And Richard Pryor, a, co- a coked-up, foul-mouthed comedian, yeah. is great in it. I mean, what are the chances of that happening? Fucking zero. Yeah, the problem with that film is, like, it sees the star, not Superman, you know. But I went to see that in the pictures. 
Yeah. I was just quick like put Kermode and Mayo, they're doing the thing on BBC now, which is like the pop long as it's locked. I mean that's really good because I haven't listened to the podcast. Oh I've great. I've missed I've missed I haven't seen any of the T V show. It's um it's they're doing it once a week. There's been a few on. Um, but it's really good. It's just them in their offices or whatever. And it's just like they just kind of review and then people actually send in reviews and stuff. And it works really well. They should definitely keep it going. Oh, well, I'm going to, in, in which case, I'm going to, uh, as soon as we hang up, I'm going to stick my TV on. Yeah, I'm going to go and find that and I'm going to download yeah. the. Awesome. Well, look, Ed, finally yeah, we awesome, had this catch up. And uh, do you know what? We could easily do another hour. We didn't even talk. Right. About two of the big things that you and I can talk about for hours. And that is James Bond and yes. Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, well, that's why not. Let's maybe make another day sometime. Maybe, yes. maybe we can wait till the Bond films come out. If we, I've, I've got a feeling they might just premiere this shit on fucking streaming. I you know, mate, I, a pay-per-view, 20 quid. I hope you know, so. James Bond, yeah, global premiere, I think that might happen. I hope so, because I think, um, I, I, for me, I mean, I, let, fuck it, let's just have a little bit of the, the, the deal now. I mean, look, for me, the the reboot of Bond is one of the greatest things I've seen in cinema. Um, and I know that sounds like a, a real grandiose statement, but um, Daniel Craig, the first blonde Bond. I mean, that was a big deal when it was announced. I mean, it's hard to believe that now, but it was. And, yeah, yeah. And, the, and Casino Royale came out. Chris Cornell doing the fucking Bond theme tune. Everything about it was, we are different. This is a new beginning. This is a new era. We're building a, a, a franchise for the future. And it was fucking awesome. And every film since then has been a fucking disappointment. And they have gone backwards and backwards and backwards. And we're now, we're back at the stupid gadgets side. Which back yeah. then, which back then when the Casino Royale was coming out, it's like, look, yeah, okay, there's the defibrillator in the car and everything. But, you know, we're not going to have somebody with stupid guys. And then... And then Skyfall with fucking Javier Bardem channeling Frankie Howard as an unscary yeah. villain. Um, oh, Mr. Bond. Um, it was just, you know, it's now at a stage that, that and, you know, the, that, that franchise for me where it really needs help. And the fact that Christoph yeah. Waltz is in it and he's going to be doing the Christoph Waltz performance again, the man who has personified evil as someone who doesn't wear socks. Um, <laughs> and I just know he's going to do that fucking Austrian ice cream selling fucking performance again. I'm keen to see what they the do with the new film if the, the guy that bought in the dialogue, obviously Danny Boyle went. I'm, I'm keen to see what, what he does um, I haven't deliberately haven't watched. I watched the teaser trailer, but I deliberately haven't watched the, anything else because I don't want any well, spoilers. I want to just go into the cult. I'm, I'm hoping they can finish Daniel well. I don't um, think I don't no, think I Boyle mean, going. I don't think Boyle going is a good sign at all. I think that was an awesome signing, and the fact that he's yes, and the fact that he's good, gone. Yeah. But the fact that he's gone for me says that the business of Bond is interfering yeah. too much. And he was like, "No, fuck this, guys. Well, this is not how no, I work." I mean, the thing with Bond is they, they, they you know, they'll, they'll whenever the only time they've really gone sort of radical, um, aside from like you know recasting the part they had to, but um. Is uh, you know, licensed to kill. We've seen this quite radical at the time, and obviously, Casino or Al with the reboot, but 
Yeah, it seems some they sort of. Uh, I like Skyfall, but I thought Spectre lost its way in the quality oh, of problems with that. Skyfall, I genuinely think Skyfall is is like is 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 like Moonraker bad. I mean, that's, that's interesting. There wasn't, wasn't Bond so you know it's everyone's got different views. Like which which was your first Bond you saw? But it's it's terrible. It's terrible. I mean, like you, they they found the only they found the only Glen in Scotland where the sky doesn't move. They turn the whole. They turn that whole being back at that house. They turn that into. Um, I know everyone says that it's like an episode of. Um, it, well, for me, it, everyone says it's Home Alone, but for me, it's like that episode of Only Fools and Horses where they go and accidentally smash. You know, catch the wrong fucking chandelier. Um, it's just. It, it's just fucking terrible. And and you know, trains just just all of the breakdown and also tonally, tonally. When Javier Bardem just shoots that person in the head, and and Daniel, is that the girl like? Um, yeah, yeah. And James yeah. Bond's like, oh, that's a bit nasty, isn't it? And if you've ever yeah, seen that, that was that and, was all badly handled. That thing, you know. And if you see yeah. the if you see the honest trailer of um, uh, Skyfall, it's fucking brilliant. The honest. Have you seen any honest trailers? No, I'll, I'm, I'm going to write a note here. Oh, mate, mate, oh, you'll spend, uh, no no word of a lie, you and your good lady set some time aside to hook the lac- laptop up to the TV and just watch honest trailers one after another and you'll keep seeing, like, different movies that you want to see the trailer of and it just rips the shit out of every <laughs> film that you've ever seen. Good ones, bad ones, it just yeah. goes at them. But it's brilliant yeah. when it when it shows Skyfall and the vo- the voiceover is going, and then shit like this happens, and it and, and it's like and and it's got Javier Bardem killing that woman, and it looks at the look on James Bond's voice on on his face, and the voiceover just goes, Jesus Christ. The, <laughs> the thing is with the Bond, I mean, Daniel Craig from Casino Royale, he, he could have been the greatest Bond, and I think he is a great Bond. But the Sean Connery Bonds, the official ones, they're still consistent. He never, he never made a bad James Bond film. Sean Connery. Um, yeah, I mean, well, for me, of, for me, Skyfall. Dated, but you know, yeah. Well, for me, Skyfall was dated. The follow-up to um, to Casino Royale, Question of Sport, um, or <laughs> or Quantum of Solace, possibly that, the worst that was title ever. Yeah. Then there was Skyfall. Yeah. That was shit. And then Spectre. You know, cuckoo, fuck off, Christoph. Yeah. Really. Fuck off. Yeah. Being scary, right? You've decided that you're going to play scary by trying to come across as really unscary. And do you know what? You're pulling that off. I'm not scared. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Christoph Waltz. I was excited by his casting, but he has played the same character. That's the thing. Mads Mickelson's still the best adversary. Yes, um, yeah. Because yeah, he played his straight, like, you know, it was good. Well, yeah. Christoph Waltz, unfortunately, um, uh, you know, his career took off when he won an Oscar in a Quentin Tarantino movie. And it's literally like he's got that and gone, oh, awesome. So that's what I should do from now on, is it? That role, that yeah, one that I got the yeah. Oscar for, is that what I should do? Because that is what yeah. I am going to do in every film from now on. Yeah. You know? And in fact, that that does bring up an interesting scene. I'd be interested in your thoughts about it on um, um, uh, Inglorious Bastards. That's the one. Where... Yeah. Um, the opening scene, the Jew Hunter scene, um, which is absolutely fantastic, really enjoyable, incredible scene. And then I have since rewatched the movie. And what I found was that first time I saw it, 
the suspension, you know, the suspension, the suspense in that scene is incredible. Yeah. But then the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, right, this only stands up to watching once, doesn't it? Because it's actually dragging it out to an insane length when you've watched it more than once. And uh, and that started my problems with the movie second time around from scene one. And, and, and I actually quite enjoyed it in the cinema. I don't like, you know, killing Hitler. That was a stupid idea. Not obviously, literally, but... Yeah. Um, but fucking hell, I, I quite enjoyed it in the cinema. I bought the Blu-ray. I ended up giving the Blu-ray away because I, I tried to watch it two or three more times, but it, it, it just had less and less impact. And I just thought, you know, it really didn't bear repeat viewings. Um, well, it's, it's one of those things, Tarantino, he, he's, he's got, like, he's great at kind of introducing your actors or seeing something else in an actor other directors would normally see. He's done that with John Travolta, Bruce Willis, and so on. But he's Uma Thurman. But he's he's lacks discipline, and um, I I mean, Glorious Bastards, I like it, but I uh, don't. I've liked. Um, I mean, the only Tarantino film I haven't really liked is Death Proof. But um, to Kill Bill two, I mean, you know, you could make one really good Kill Bill film out of the two. Oh, them. couldn't you? I liked Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, oh man! Oh I did, man! Yeah, but he's. he's Maybe maybe I'll watch it again. Maybe I won't think the same. I know. I mean, no, no, no. Look, no, look, look. You, look, you, you're allowed to like it. I mean, uh, yeah, Paul, yeah, I mean, Paul I mean, liked it as the, well. Yeah, the pictures. I mean, I loved Brad Pitt's guys. I loved his performance. I just thought, what a great bloke. I loved DiCaprio. Um, you know, it is weird that rewriting history thing he's done again. Obviously, I remember, you know, your podcast you're talking about. I think, I think with Tarantino, Reservoir Dogs. You know. That's cool. I think Pulp Fiction for me is his classic. It just stays the right side of stuff with all. It doesn't. It's talky but not yeah. too talky. Jackie Brown's like. Oh, that's the, begin- that's the beginning of the end. Jackie Brown is the beginning yeah. of the end because he gets away with an extremely long movie and effectively showing you the exact same scene from just different angles and. He just about got away with it. And for me, the fact that he got away with that and that he wasn't brought to yeah. book over that means that we've yeah. had years of overlong shit Blowing, with yeah. with his fucking banana face in it as well all the time. Yeah, he can't it's, it's, stay out of his own fucking way. Yeah, it's, it's really jarring. I mean, Django's interested because Django has that big shootout and he thinks climax and then he carries on. But I think that's a problem with films in general. People don't know when to... Like we were watching Solo yesterday and then they have the castle run scene and then he goes to some places in another 30 minutes and it's like, you've just done the, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's you've like, just had the climax of the movie. Yeah, it's just, there's so many films on Tarantino's like that. Um, uh, um, films have got too long. It's um, uh, It was quite refreshing last night. The films I watched were 90 minutes and 82 minutes. Oh, and a lot of my yeah. favourite films, so like Dirty Harry's 100 minutes long. Um, it's perfect, mate. Have you, you know? got have you got a round to? Because I think I might have recommended this to you when we did the um, the now uh, deleted podcast. Um, have you got a round to watching on Netflix? Um, the oh god, who is it? The, oh, it's the, the the something of caring is it? The principles of caring. Um, yeah, that was the Paul Rudd film. Yes, yeah, I have seen it. I saw that like when a while ago. Yeah, because I, 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 I'm sure, I, I'm sure I said the fundamentals of caring. That's it. Yeah, because I'm sure yeah, I flagged that for you. Yeah. It's fucking great, isn't it? 
Yeah, it was it was okay. I mean, I didn't love it, but it was it's good. I would understand, you know, like people like. But just ni- yeah. but ninety minutes. It's comedy yeah, all the way yeah. through. The gags don't stop. There is some, you know, there's there's character journeys and all the rest of it. Yeah. Speaking it's... of character journeys, actually, um, what do you, have you got yourself round to watching The Gentleman yet? No, I haven't. Um, that was um, I was on the Virgin last night. We were thinking oh, we could buy a movie, and that was one we were thinking of. But yeah, any good. Well, I'm I'm not a, you know I'm not a fan of uh, Guy Private Hertfordshire School Cockney um, Richie, <laughs> yeah. um, the Mockney cunt. But um, yeah. but um, do you know what? It's functional. I have to say, you know, it's it's all the usual Richieisms, and some of them are just yeah. totally out of date. Um, yeah. For instance, Hugh Grant playing a a journalist who's going to like break these crime syndicates because he's going to he's going to give secret dossier to his fucking uh, that are hidden in briefcases and he's going to give them to his uh, his editor and he's going to bring down all of this crime and it's like so is this the eighties then when newspapers were big? Yeah. Oh no, yeah. it's set in the current day. It's just massively out of fucking date. Oh, yeah. he's put four suitcases of all this evidence hidden around it. Why did he put it in the fucking cloud like every gun else? It's, it's <laughs> weird. Um, I mean, Guy Ritchie's strange because well, I mean, even when Lockstock came out, it was kind of at the end of the kind of Brit Cool Britannia thing that had kind of almost. I d- but I didn't get. Like, I didn't oh, get Lockstock. I didn't get Lockstock, yeah, and I've still I, I, never I, I seen Scat Snatch. I've only seen Snatch once. I didn't like Snatch at the time, but I have a feeling that might be better if I watched it again. But I wasn't fullest with Rock and Roller. I thought he did quite a good job with the Sherlock Holmes films, actually. Uh, yeah, do you know what? Absolutely. And what does that yeah. tell us? What does that tell us? Why do they stand out like a sore thumb in his catalogue? I'll tell you why. He hasn't got an original idea in his fucking skull. That's why. So give him something where everything already exists and he can yeah. make you... You know, give him the parts... And he'll make you a house. Just don't expect him to go out and chop trees down and make you a house. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, they, they were all... I, mean, I haven't watched them again, but there were kind of these things he does kind of work very well. Well, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, the, I, I'll say now, I, I personally, I think the worst film I've ever seen at the cinema was a movie called Revolver, which he, which is... Oh, that's guy, terrible. Yeah. I watched it. It's so... It's, it's pretentious. It's when he was going out with Madonna and Cabal. But, it's, but, it, but uh, it's beyond belief. I mean, any film that can make me dread the next appearance of Ray Liotta has really, really overstayed yeah. its welcome. Yeah. You know, he's one of my favourite actors. And I was just yeah. dreading seeing his face. Yeah. You know, it was just hideous. But anyway, look, Ed, we've, we've done another fucking 20 minutes anyway. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm sure there was, there was like, I'm sure there was like, it was like Columbo. I'm sure there was just like, this is just one more thing, but I can't. Yes. I can't think. But, um, you know, movies, there's so many, there's so many things to watch. There's so many uh, things. Absolutely. But, well, look. Yeah, I mean, um, last thing I was just going to say is like Tarantino was... It's like, you know, when he came out, he came out as this ready-made auteur and, you know, a, a lot of people have got in the film through him and the whole sort of film culture thing. But, um, yeah, yeah he, like, he lacks discipline. He needs to, to, to discipline himself. But he, his films are successful, so he won't, so... But, yeah. Well, it's, well, it's, it's funny, because I, 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 um, you talk to anybody of a, of a younger generations, certainly sort of filmmakers in their early 20s. I was speaking to one recently, and it was like, oh, you know, oh... 
Tarantino is God. And I'm like, Tarantino is a f- is fucking overrated, has fucking ruined his own career, could has been in desperate need of an editor for fucking years. And, you know, ultimately, I, it, for me, it's a career unfulfilled. I just look at what he's done. And there's so many indications along the line of what was possible and what he could have delivered. And yeah. um, I mean, our, our guitarist Paul is is also a, a filmmaker, and he did he did an edit of uh, the Hateful Eight, um, and he said, with you know, without even taking like you know the 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 razor blade to it, you can you can you can ju- you can take like twenty five minutes out of it just through needless overlong establishing shots. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Obviously, yeah, he, he just put it into something and then he's just chopped it up there. Have you ever seen? Yeah. Have you ever totally to total right turn here? Have you ever seen the edit of The Hobbit, which is one three and a half hour movie? No, never bothered because I, I just couldn't be bothered. <laughs> I, watched the bit of the I watched the bit of The Hobbit and like we kind of flick through. We're like, yeah, this is boring, you know. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Right. Well, on on that on that note, mate, it's yeah, been awesome. A... Yeah. Cheers, mate. Thanks. I've enjoyed this. Awesome. It's been great fun. You take care, yeah. man. Right. See you soon. Speak cheers. to you soon, mate. Take care. Bye. Thanks. Bye. 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 And as you can tell, there we had a right laugh. Hopefully, you enjoyed that. It was a great catch up with Ed again. Um, and I th- I think he's gonna we're gonna have to get him on because um, there's just there yeah uh, well we I, I think about what well, about there's about 20 minutes of that interview that uh, after I said, right, let's, let's, you know, pack this in. Um, yeah, he's just a top man. Um, so knowledgeable when it comes to film and metal and playing the guitar, honestly, I'm fucking jealous, but, um, yeah, top man. Great to have him on. I hope you really enjoyed it. Um, any movie suggestions or guest suggestions, ping them over, ping them in and, uh, I'm keep listening to movie bollocks. Hopefully this is helping the lockdown pass a little easier. Speak to you again soon. Ta-ra. Oh, uh, no, actually, before I go, yeah, may as well tell you who the next episode of Movie Bollocks is going to be with. Believe it or not, the next episode of Movie Bollocks is with none other than legendary heavy metal drummer Jimmy DeGrasso. Yeah, cool, huh? Oh, yeah, they're all queuing up to get on here. <laughs> see you next time. Well, I won't see anybody. Speak to you next time, though. Bye. And that is where the uh, podcast originally ended. But then I remembered a movie that I've watched that I meant to share with you all. So I'm adding this on the end. Um, uh, Basically, I checked out a movie that I've kind of always meant to, but never got round to. So, you know, lockdown. Um, And it was uh, Billion Dollar Baby by... um, Is it Billion Dollar Baby or Million? Million Dollar Baby. Um, Directed by Clint Eastwood. He also stars in it, along with Morgan Freeman. Um... And also, oh fucking hell! What a sin! Why would I? Why would I choose now to forget her name? And rather than challenge myself to remember the name and bore you to fucking death, I'm going to go on to pause and uh, look up on IMDb the name of the fantastic actress who won an Oscar for this role. For fuck's sake, Hilary Swank! Yes, um, brilliant Oscar-winning performance and. Um, yeah, female boxer, I don't know, it's it, it's not something that um, I was particularly drawn to. Uh, I guess that's why it's taken me so long to, to get around to watching it. 
And um, I have to say, I use the old rule. Look, if you know, if one of the actors has won an Oscar for it, or if the you know, if it's won a decent, you know, Oscar, um, then it's got to be worth watching. And it was. And I have to say, I I want to tell you what I thought and how much I enjoyed it. I really am not going to give anything away. No spoilers. Um, but fucking hell, what a film. It's not the film I thought it was at all. And it's probably not the film you'll think it is um, for a good portion of it. Um, it broke me in half. I was in floods of tears. Um, I have no problem admitting that. Um, I was sat here on my own, so no one knew that I'd burst into floods of tears, but now I've chosen to tell everybody on the podcast. Um, and that's the nature of what I do, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm real with you guys. I'm real with you. Um, it, what a film. Absolutely fantastic. Um, just, you know, watch it. Um, there's great supporting performances from other actors as well as, 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 well as people not mentioned. Um, and just check it out, guys, uh, if you get a chance, if you're, if you're at all interested or ever thought of getting around to it. And I'm sure some of you are and going, Howard, why is it taking you that long? I don't know, but I got there in the end. Anyway, this really is the end. See you next time. No, I won't see anyone. Speak to you next time.